Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'm here with my new friend, Skylar Coonan. Thank you, Skylar, so much for making time for the Boca Podcast. Thanks for having me. And we're going to dive into your business and actually yet another new topic for the podcast today, talking about how to handle negative feedback. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But as we normally do, we start out with something that we call the aha moment. And very simply, this would be kind of the biggest or hardest lesson that you've learned as a photography business owner so far. What comes to mind? So really, my aha moment happened recently. It was in the past six months, and I've realized that I was really focused on being professional and having to do things a certain way, Yeah. and I wasn't showing up personally on my Instagram, so it was just a list of things that I was trying to follow. Now, when you say a list of things you're trying to follow, so you kind of had this list in your head, like I am supposed to do X, I'm supposed to do Y, I'm supposed to do Z because I'm a professional photographer now? Exactly. Just trying to lay out my communication a certain way rather than just making it conversational, like I'm in the room with a person. So say on Instagram, I am making it a point to be in the photos now, actually talk about my life, my faith, my husband, my bunny rabbit, just like really being personal with people and not being afraid. That's really, really good. And you know what, actually, this, this reminds me of a conversation I was having with my son last night. So he's 16 and he's just now, I've kind of put the pressure on him in the last couple of months in particular to say, look, Hey, you, you need to get a job. Um, you know, money doesn't just kind of grow on trees. And if you want to go on <laughs> dates and, and have, you know, money for gas and insurance and whatnot, like you're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to start generating some some uh, income here. And so one of the things that he's doing is he's trying to put himself out there as a freelance writer. He's really talented. And um, so I'm trying to help him with that. And he was he was putting a or actually was submitting an application to an online job posting site. And one of the things that I encouraged him to do was instead of going about this application process in the, as you would say, the professional way, right? Kind of the expected format, structuring his application, his description about himself and his, that well, he doesn't have really much of a job history, but who he <laughs> is and what he has to offer. Instead of crafting it the way that most people would, and ultimately just kind of being, you know, looking the same as everyone else, go about it a different way. Very, very clearly position yourself in such a way that you sound and look different from your so-called competition. And that's a really good start. And so I love that you've had this realization. It is important to understand that there are certain techniques and approaches to especially marketing workflow that tend to work pretty well. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to set you apart very clearly from those around you is you your personality, what you specifically have to offer to, well, to the industry and the local market. And so this is a really great realization. And this is even a good reminder for me because I have a tendency too of kind of getting <laughs> stuck at times. In fact, a lot of times I'm thinking that there's a certain way that I have to do things rather than just going for it and being myself and letting that carry a lot of my efforts in marketing or otherwise. So this is a great way to start the conversation out. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing that. I would love to get to know you though, along with our listeners. Uh, we haven't had 
had the opportunity really to connect in person. So let's start with just something maybe kind of random that, that most people don't know about you. That was a really tough thing to figure out for myself. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm an open book to a lot of people and sometimes too much information. But I started thinking about it. And I think for me, I have a lot of tattoos and piercings. So when people look at me, they think that I just enjoy that. I enjoy it after the fact, but I really hate needles and I, I get very anxious and yeah. oh, I can feel the warmth in my skin and my face as I, the needle's about to touch. So that would be something I think that people would be surprised to know about me. That's really interesting. So I've only had, I've gotten a couple of tattoos. I have their, their Japanese characters on each of my arms. And they're relatively subtle, but I do remember the pain was pretty significant, um, even just for those very small tattoos. What what motivates you to get a new tattoo? Actually, up until our honeymoon this past year, all of my tattoos have had scripture of some sort. Yeah. That way, when people ask me about it, I really am able to tell them my story of my life and Absolutely. how I've gotten here where I am. Absolutely. That's that's actually really great. And, and funny enough, um, I have very similar thought process when it comes to at least the tattoos that I have right now. So they're sitting on the inside of really close to my wrist. And so if I'm just walking around uh, and I tend to wear short sleeve shirts, um, most people know this about me, the black, black t-shirts, but um, <laughs> I tend to walk around, of course, with my arms down. And so they're not going to see those tattoos normally uh, and, right. and just everyday conversation. But if I'm sitting down to dinner or lunch or coffee with somebody, then in that case, they're probably going to be noticeable. And then they act as an opportunity to be able to share a little bit of my story as well. And I have the tattoos um, that the Japanese word sentaku is uh, the tattoo on my right arm. That means choice. And then on the on my left arm, it's the Japanese word for belief, kakushin. And so I get to share a little bit about my, my backstory too. And I think that's great. I think it's it's interesting to have that opportunity that might not come up otherwise. You know, people are like, oh, what's that tattoo mean? Or what is that about? And then you get to exactly. talk a little bit about it. So that's kind of cool. Now, you mentioned your honeymoon. You've not been married real long, but you seem, just based on your social media feed, you seem absolutely crazy about your husband. So tell <laughs> us more about him. Yes. So we got married in April. So we haven't hit our one year yet. And we met back in 2014, and he was a part of a ministry. And that in itself just is what I really would love to talk about him. He is beyond selfless. He is always others focused. And that's my favorite part about him. We do community with our life group and our church at all times, whether we're doing sports or having a bonfire. That is when it is chilly in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably not real often, right? I was just no. actually down there in Orlando, and I think it was in the 70s uh, for much of the time. Yeah, we had some cold spurts, I think, like a month ago, and that was nice. It was actually really cold, like 30s, which was surprising. And I'm in southwest Florida in Naples, so that's pretty good. But yeah, I love how smart he is, too, and encouraging, because when I get stuck in situations with my business, he's the first person to really give me that boost yeah. and motivation to keep going for it. And he's so tech-savvy. So that really helps when I am not. <laughs> oh, yeah, that always makes a huge difference. How do you guys like to spend time together? What does that look like? Oh, we love to be active. Ultimate Frisbee is one of our favorite things to do. We haven't been able to do it as often lately just because of busy scheduling and traveling, which is a good thing, too. 
but we love Spartan races and camping, which we actually have a Spartan race we're doing at the end of the month. So that's exciting. How did you get into at Spartan racing? Very simply is obstacle racing, right? Yes, it is. And how did you get into that? So I was actually raised by my dad and it was just him and me because I have a sister, but she's 20 years older than me. Oh, so wow. basically, yeah, so she was never in the home when I was. Okay. So it was just my dad and me and he got me into the mud runs back in South Carolina. And I started that when I was 10 years old and I haven't stopped since. And it's, it's an absolute rush. It's very different than say do a 10K the obstacles give you something to really look forward to each time and it keeps changing. Yeah, that change. I was thinking variety. I bet that that is nice. It, it can be when people think about working out and going for a long run, it seems monotonous. Yes. Those, those <laughs> obstacles give some variety to the race. And and so, yeah, I can I can see the appeal in that. Um, and the mud's always a good addition. <laughs> is, is it really? So do you, do you kind of like yes. that? Like do you just let go and, and get dirty and not worry about it? I I get frustrated if they don't have mud. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you, you said you and your husband do that together? We do. He's better at it than me. Okay. He's okay. in more shape than I am, but we do enjoy doing it together. That's really cool. So it, you mentioned travel, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more, especially specifically in regards to your business here in just a second, but travel, doing these races, these obstacle races, or anything else, how do you create free time for each other because running a business um, can be quite strenuous and certainly take up a lot of time. How do you create free time for each other within that? Yes, that's, it's so hard, especially as a photographer, because Jimmy during the week, he has those normal nine to five hours. And then as a photographer, we basically work around the clock and usually have the opposite schedule where we work evenings because sunset lighting is the best and weekends because of wedding and, and events and different things like that. So what we have really made important is Friday night date nights. Um, that's something we did when we were dating, yeah. and thankfully we've carried it into our marriage. And it's really neat because his mother really talked about that and how they kept that going even through having three children. They always made time for date night or that set-aside time where they closed the door, just had them time. They made sure that the kids were occupied, and it was just really neat to hear that advice and know that that's something that you have to set aside, whether it's you're not married yet and you have a best friend that you need to see weekly yes. or just have coffee time. Something that is very important is downtime to get away from everything, as you said, the monotony. Yeah. And do you guys, do you set rules for those date nights? I mean, where, for example, you wouldn't talk about work or how do you approach that? We need to actually. <laughs> Jimmy would be quicker at doing that. I think I get very distracted easily. Okay. And I would say that that is a very good thing to do. And I need to get better at doing it myself. But do you in order to make that Friday night date night happen? And I love that because it's, it's almost like a throwback to growing up to like you <laughs> go on a date night on Friday night. I, I love the the um, the feeling that comes with that. But do you just put it in your calendar? Or you just know, hey, during this time frame on Friday nights, I can't schedule anything. How do you make sure that it happens? We always discuss it. Obviously, if a big session comes up or a big wedding is happening on a Friday evening, sometimes we'll give on that because it's good to always be able to communicate that and make sure that we're making a wise decision at the same time. And then we'll move it to a different day. 
But other than that, Friday night, we just kind of when he comes home, we usually have dinner and then we'll go to either a movie night or we'll watch our favorite show or we'll play Settlers of Catan or some <laughs> sort of game. <laughs> Which has so, kind of quite the like the cult following, right? You don't hear about yes. it a lot. But um, I, my sister-in-law in particular is a huge fan of that game. And um, it's not it's relatively complicated, too, isn't it? Yes, it takes strategy for sure. But once you get the hang of it, I think that's people's hesitation to get involved with it is they're not sure that they can understand it. But once you play once or twice, you'll figure it out. And it's really fun because every single time the placement of the cards and everything that goes into it makes it different. So it's never the same game. Huh, I like that. But just in even recent, I guess the last month or so, I've I've begun playing games with my kids a little bit more. I love the simplicity of just sitting around the table and, and playing a game together. And uh, maybe that's one that we're going to have to add to our list to buy. Because uh, I, I like that, I mean, certainly variety is nice and something that challenges you a little bit mentally. I think that's, that's fun too. And yet you're still getting to spend time together. I think it's a great yes. combo. And we have a list of games that we love. So if you ever need suggestions... Oh, perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. I actually may have to take you up on that. That's great. So how long have you, let's talk a little bit about your business. How long have you actually been in business? And tell us a little bit about how you got started. So I've been in business for about 10 years, really. I started in college, but only recently since we got married, have I been able to do it full time. I just didn't have the time before that to be able to focus on it and I was a waitress or teaching or in school, all kinds of things. And I can give that credit to my husband to be able to give me the opportunity to do it full time. And it has really helped a lot for me to be able to focus on it. So if you were to describe your, your business's brand position, and this is something that we've, we've talked about a good bit on the podcast, but I think it's also kind of a, a relatively foreign concept in some cases, because a lot of photographers don't think about, hey, how, do, how does my business look in the context of my local market? Um, so I'd love for you to expound on what your business's brand position is, how you set yourself apart from the photographers in your local market. So I have always said, I guess you could call it my tagline or something, but I've always said there's a story in every photo and your story is worth capturing. And I just want people to know that these photos that I take of them are something that they're going to want to look back on. They're going to remember the fun they were having with each other. And it's going to take them back to those moments, the, that year, whatever that year held, or even that month, to remember what they were going through with their husband or their children. And lately, with the change, like I was saying, with the aha moment, it's been important for me to capture candid moments and to really set that up. I used to do a lot of pose things, even though I wanted to catch more candid stuff. And I've been more aware of it and knowing, you know, people are coming to me because they like my photos yeah. and they're hiring me because they trust me. So I need to be able to trust myself and I need to be having initiative behind it. And they'll listen to me. And lately, since I've made that decision, I have been happier with my business. I've it. been happier with myself. And I've stuck with it. That's really, I, I don't think we've had anyone quite communicate it that way before. They're trusting you 
So you need to be able to trust yourself. And, and, you know, it's, this is a good reminder for us just to kind of let go and, and live a bit and, and run our business, take a chance and run our business in a slightly different way. Um, it's certainly not uncommon for photographers to talk about the importance of the story, but I, I love the realization that you had on a personal level there. That's a, that's a really big deal. How do you communicate um, the idea of the, the focus on the story to potential clients? Do so you do that through your website or is there another means that you use? I do it a little bit in just our one-on-one talk, whether we're on the phone or if it's our email or messaging, whichever they contact me through. And I make sure that the first thing they know is that it's going to be fun. It's not going to be nerve-wracking where they have to perfect this certain pose. They're just going to hang out with me. And I like for them, say when I do family with kids, I like for them to bring props. When it's a little boy, let him bring his fire truck because then he's going to enjoy that better than looking at me and trying to pose with a smile when he's really not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's a, that's a really great idea actually. Now you, you also mentioned on your website that you're a natural light photographer. And I'm curious to understand what this means for you, just because there's been conversation in the industry in the last, well, number of years anyway, where, you know, some kind of veterans of the industry will say, well, you know, the idea that being a natural light photographer, that's a, that's a cop out. That just means a photographer is not actually making the effort, putting the time and energy into learning how to use all kinds of different lighting. This kind of conversation has been happening. So I'm really curious to get your take on why you've, first of all, kind of positioned yourself that way. You've actually spoke spoken to it on your website but then why you made that choice ultimately yes so it is more of a preference rather than putting myself in a box because if if you go to my website you'll see that I do a lot of different things and a lot of that is because I can't (laughs) stick to one thing because I love it all and maybe down the road I decide to go one direction yeah but I, I do indoor things like newborn photography, so then I, I do need to have the knowledge of indoor lighting and flash photography and all of that. But I just really like nature and all that the outdoors offers. And I mean, that goes with me and my husband camping and playing sports outside and everything. It's just being able to take advantage of what already naturally exists. And I love the real look that it creates. I It's not saying that when you add reflectors with lights or flash that it's not just as beautiful. It's just not my preference. Totally get it. I, I love that. And I love that you're clear about that too. And and you also mentioned, um, I, I noticed, I think it was on your, um, your Instagram profile and Haley was pointing this out to me that you photograph in so many different locations. Haley is, by the way, for those of you listening in who heads up our digital marketing and ultimately the person who was like, Hey, you need to have Skylar on. Uh, but you, you get to shoot in a variety of locations. I'm curious what enables this for you. How do you have the opportunity to travel so much and, and photograph? Well, my husband and I have a heart for travel and exploring as is. I've always had a heart for that. My mom is a big reason for that. She has taken me all over, especially the East Coast. And we have a wide friend group. My husband is from Pennsylvania and New Jersey. He went to Penn State, and I'm from South Carolina. And he traveled with Ride Nature, which is the missions group that he was a part of. So we're able to visit a lot of friends. And now that I am full-time, it allows for more travel for my business, which has been an absolute blessing. And we even want to do an Airstream life. That's cool. uh, yeah, live in it and just go across country and 
hopefully we can do that in the next two years. So do you market your services in these, these different markets? I think on, on your social, on your Instagram profile, you've got like what, three or four, four or five different locations listed. Do you actually actively market to those locations? Yes, I am actually doing that a little bit more. I am doing that in a mailing list, which is new to me and it's difficult, but it is so very important to have a mailing list and have subscribers. And I didn't realize that until recently because, oh my goodness, what if social media just disappeared one day and you lose all your followers? I don't know about you, but that makes me nervous without a mailing list because then they only have your website, and that is if they remember what your website was. So true. And when you say mailing list, just to, to be clear, you're talking about an email list, correct? Yes. Okay. So I send just a monthly one, not to bombard people or anything like that. But then I let people know these are my traveling plans, and whether it's to be to, to be determined, or I tell them the specific dates when I know. That's really great. Do you use Facebook ads or Google ads as well to target those specific locations? Yes, I do use Facebook ads. I am using it right now to run a deal and it really does draw in people. I am still learning the ins and outs of that, but that's the beauty of photography as a whole. You're always going to be learning whether you've been in it one year or 50. That's so true. Well, especially these days, things just continue to change so much. I mean, I I know as um, an owner of Photographer's Edit, it's been quite a learning curve. Even in the last year or two years, you know, the the business and approach to business and marketing has changed. And and, uh, I enjoy the learning curve, but it is ever changing as well. Things are ever changing. And so you you don't have a choice but to continue to adapt and to learn. And I love that, that you realize that and are making that concerted effort. I'm actually on your, um, it, it, this is really kind of a segue ultimately into our, my, my question that I've begun asking about your favorite gear, but I'm actually on your uh, About Me page on your website. And for those of you listening in, and of course, we'll link to uh, these in the show notes as well. But uh, Skylar's website is skyphotographygallery.com. Uh, but on your About Me page, your profile picture, a beautiful picture, by the way, was that Thank photographed you. with a digital camera or a film camera? It is my digital camera, and it was a fun photo because I um, did it in the backyard of my house. Okay. And I want to make sure you're talking about, are you talking about the green? Yeah, you're green? standing in front of, looks like a really big bush um, of, of green. I, I, oh. I, th- I think it's great. Actually, actually, that one was one of my best friends in Oh, she's incredible. She's in Charleston, South Carolina, okay. and she photographed that of me. She did it, thankfully, during our engagement session. <laughs> oh, cool. So, so yeah, her uh, website, Silver Vine Studios, but she is amazing. Her name's Shannon, and I love her work. Well, it's a beautiful image. The reason I ask specifically is, and again, we're going to talk about gear here in just a second, but I noticed that the bokeh on that particular image, it reminded me of a, a film camera, medium format film camera that I have that has this unusual, almost kind of circular style bokeh that it, that it adds to the image. And I really, really love it. And it reminded me of that. So I was just curious if that was maybe a, a film camera, but you're saying that was digital? Yes, that was digital. And she's just very good at being able to capture that kind of look. That's really cool. So speaking of gear, then give me a, a favorite piece of gear from your camera bag. What do you like to go to? Well, my camera is a 7D, so I use that for both photo and video, and my husband is getting into videography as well, so hopefully down the road we'll be able to do that as a team. We've already 
got some things going. So I love the fact that it has both and yeah. it does both very well. I also really love my new lens. That's 17 to 55, 2.8. Yeah. It is very crisp, which I have really needed lately. And I am in awe of it. So I love it. Well, that lens is so flexible too with that, that range, uh, that focal range is really, really great. Um, this, the 70, you talked about shooting video and photos. So are you offering kind of a combination of services or how do you handle the video side of things? So right now I've done a couple of videos. I just started doing newborn videos because I realized that it wasn't a big thing out there. And a lot of people as especially mothers spend a lot of time figuring out what the nursery is going to look like and having a theme and all of this. And I just felt like I really need to capture that and take advantage of it. And then being able to remember your baby's movements and not just how they looked because everybody says they grew up so fast. And it's true. And when you think about it, you wish that you had this momentum to look back on when they were tiny and now you can. That's beautiful. And and I love that um, you realized too, that there was a business opportunity there, that it wasn't commonplace. I, I think that's always great. We, we should, as business owners, be looking for, and this is yet, yet again, a reminder for me as I'm saying it, but we should be looking for opportunities to do something different. We see most people doing one thing, we should go the other way. And of course, as long as there's, there's an opportunity in the market for it, then we should take advantage. And I love that you're doing that. Let's go ahead and kind of shift gears, though. And, and I want to, to move into our kind of our focus, our topic for the day, which is to ha- how to handle negative feedback. And I have to say already, and I, I actually mentioned this to you about your voice before we got started recording, but if, if for some reason I was mad at you and I got on the phone with you or met you in person, I think I would automatically just calm down because you've got this really <laughs> wonderful, soothing voice, um, oh. and just a really soft-spoken, sweet nature about you. And I think that's really great. Sadly, a lot of a lot of times these days, the negative feedback that we get is online. And, and of course, people can read into words differently. And we as the, the business owners can read into those things differently. And there's a tendency in many cases to respond in the wrong way. So this is a really loaded topic. Um, but the reason that we had you on to begin with was Haley, who I mentioned earlier, heads up our digital marketing. She noticed an inter- interaction on Facebook in which you responded regarding negative feedback really, really well. And uh, so the idea was to have you on and kind of comment on this topic a little bit. But let's start first with the sources of negative feedback. Um, I'm curious as to where at least you've seen negative feedback with regards to your business um, and how, how maybe each of those sources of negative feedback are unique. Well, honestly, I would say that I am my worst feedback. And I think that is the case for a lot of us. So when we do receive any kind of negative feedback outside of ourselves, then we take it even harder and it really takes a hit on our confidence. Yeah. And some people even let it crush them and their business and they don't continue. So I think we have to figure out how to not compare ourselves and just to understand that we need to get out there. We can't be timid. We have to be able to speak our minds and not in a confrontational way, especially when it comes to the negative feedback. But when we get the negative feedback, we should use it as a fuel to excel as individuals personally and in our businesses. And that feedback can come from so many directions. It can come from family. It can come from friends. It can come from clients, whether it's about your editing style or 
pricing, different things like that. Because so often, especially as photographers, when you face weddings and you tell them the price and then they're shocked and then after the fact of receiving the photos, then they understand the importance that it is to them when they look back on it. So you just have to understand how to handle each person and know that each person is differently and you can't talk to them the same. Yeah, and that's that's actually a great uh, insight and perspective. Good reminder for all of us that you really can't handle each of those situations differently. I mean, you know, we could probably have a podcast episode on its own just about how to handle conversations with family about potentially charging family and all the yeah. conversations innate to that. But then, and, and really a similar thing too with friends, and then of course clients, you get feedback regarding pricing up front. Um, and then maybe after you photograph their session, photograph their wedding or otherwise, the potential feedback that you can get from them then. I mean, the, these the conversations are varied and we really could probably dedicate a podcast episode to each. But it's a good reminder that we do need to handle those each individually in a unique way. We can't use the same voice. We can't use the same approach. And um, so we'll get to that here in just a little bit, how to better handle a negative feedback from each of those sources. But what do you think motivates that negative feedback from those people? And I'm sure it differs with, with each group. Yes, definitely. It can be so many different things. But I think from the experience that I've had, it's beginning with lack of confidence. Hmm. So when you're comparing yourself, which is a constant daily battle, especially with social media, because you can see all of these people that are within your same field and how amazing they're doing or how many follows they're getting or how many likes. And we have to remind ourselves that it's about the genuine relationships. Even if you only have five genuine relationships versus their 5,000 followers that they never talk to, you are doing amazing. And I had to remind myself of that and to stop overthinking because when you overthink, then you can't be the best you. And then I would say the next thing would be lack of communication. I've had some difficult things throughout the years. And one thing is making sure that everybody signs a contract. Even if you're my best friend, you sign a contract. It just avoids any communication errors, misunderstandings, because it's right there. And we talked about it ahead of time. And it lets them know your standards as well. That way they can't do anything against you or vice versa. And it it's sad that it sometimes comes down to that. But if you really take care of that in the beginning, then you don't have to worry about it. And with the confidence also comes understanding what you prefer when it comes to sessions. So if you want to always do photos in golden hour because you thrive in that, then make sure that you communicate that with your clients. And if they're forcing noon upon you, then tell them maybe you're not the right fit because you know that that's not what you thrive in or a location or posed versus candid, which I personally have been changing lately and being able to talk that out and tell them, believe me, you are going to love your candid photos because it really captures the essence of you and who you are rather than just posing and looking at me. It, when you communicate that, they trust you more, and then you're able to show them the product at the end that they're going to be happy with. Yeah, well, and innate to that is, is a word that we've used before here on the podcast, but is the idea of expectations, or more specifically, managing expectations well. And I love that you've put a priority on that, even with your friends, making sure upfront that they know exactly what it is that they're going to be getting from you. 
and therein again is is the idea of managing expectations and then of course it's it's a lot easier to follow through on that and and then provide a finished product that meets that expectation versus not being really clear up front they're not sure what they're getting and then at the end of the day they more there's a there's a higher likelihood that they are upset with the finished product as a result so that's really huge i also love that you're speaking to not only the lack of confidence innate to somebody who's willing to be so quickly critical online but then also being self-aware to about your lack of confidence or the lack of confidence innate to a lot of photographers in our industry, because this is definitely a point of conversation, uh, quite a big point of conversation. Uh, Being aware of that fact, understanding uh, at the end of the day, you have to be really clear about who you are, what it is that you're trying to do with your business, and then ultimately just ignoring the noise. Those people that are criticizing you, it's easy for them to do so out of insecurity, but as long as you are clear about where you stand, what it is that you offer to the world, it's a lot easier to, to then filter out that noise and continue to focus um, on your kind of big picture goals as we talk about so much here on the podcast. So that's really, really good. Absolutely. And one of the things when I was younger in college that really boosted me even starting to go after my passion was a negative comment. Somebody told me when I was very excited about a picture I took, I came to that person who was a friend and I said, look at my photo. I'm so excited about my photography. And instead of receiving the excitement back, he told me that it was a picture, not a photo, and that I needed to up my game or I wouldn't be a photographer if I wanted to consider that a photo. And so instead of letting it crush me, I used it as fire to yes. like light up under me. And yeah. it's very encouraging to see where I am now compared to then. Cause I thought I was the bomb and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it doesn't hurt for us to be reminded of that from time to time. It kind of keeps our ego in check. Um, but I love that you ultimately, uh, this reminds me actually of a book that I, I've mentioned a, a number of times now on the podcast, but one by a guy named Tony Robbins, um, he has a, an ebook version of it now um, called Reawaken the Giant Within. It's only about 100 pages. You guys have to download it. Um, it's free, actually. But one of the things he talks about in that book is the importance of the meaning that we give to experiences in life. I, in fact, my my tattoo belief, kakshin, on my arm, my left arm, this is tied to the, the, the principle or principles that Tony um, talks about in this book. But the the significance of the meaning that we give to an experience, you could have given a particular meaning to that experience, that negative feedback that you got from that person, and ultimately let that get you down. And instead, you used it, as you said, as fire. Um, You used it as an opportunity to improve and ultimately to push yourself and prove that you could do it. And because you gave it that meaning, because the belief system that you developed enabled you to push past that and ultimately become better, you're where you are today. And and that's really, really important to understand. So much of what we become in life has to do with the meaning that we give to the experiences that we have. And if we're not careful, we can let those experiences ultimately drive us down. I love that you went the opposite direction with that. And so that's that's a really good reminder for us. I'd love for you to just kind of talk us through how our listeners can respond to negative feedback. What's the best way to approach that? And maybe it's different, you know, whether it's family, friends, clients, or otherwise you talked about the, um, the importance of handling each of those differently, but how can our listeners best handle negative feedback? 
So ultimately, as a business owner, it definitely is our job to do all that we can when we can to ensure satisfaction for them. But you also need to have a healthy balance of knowing when you need to apologize, say sorry, fix something when it didn't go as expected. But you also need to know when and how to stand up for yourself and your business. And and that's not to say confrontational. There's a way to stand up for yourself in a graceful and respectful manner. And personally, the way I like to go about it, just because of my faith, I love to approach people with love. And if that is your mindset from the get-go, then there's not much that can go bad. And if they respond badly, you can't control how they respond. If they're going to be negative continuously and not respond with the love that you're giving, then you just have to understand that you're not going to please everyone and that's okay. And and this is really good. And, it, and as much as it may seem simplistic to some, I, I think it's a wonderful philosophy to have. At the end of the day, if we show respect, kindness, and love, and they don't kind of return that or reciprocate that, um, there's little that we can do. But I, I am curious, for example, if you had a client that was upset with you um, for one reason or another, you respond to them in kindness and they continue to be upset, what do you do at that point? Do you refer them back to the contract or how do you handle it? Well, really it depends on the situation. If it's, say, my editing style, then I will work with them. If they didn't like how something turned out in my contract, it also says that I can work on some stuff again for them and I will do my best to get it to where they're satisfied Now, if it is something where they are trying to edit my photos, I know a lot of photographers allow that. They allow their clients full rights at that point. But I've had a lot of people that have worked on my photos after the fact of me doing it. And then they'll post and give me credit, which I appreciate the credit. But then it's not showing my work in an accurate way. So I have to handle that differently. And I still do it in a respectful way where I talk it through and I explain to them the reasons behind it. And usually when I explain it, rather than just being like, I can't believe you just edited my photos. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's not going to get the right response from them. But when you explain, like, I appreciate you giving me credit and putting my work out there, but this is very confusing for potential clients when they look at it because it really is no longer fully my work, then they can understand that gives them something to grasp. And, and I love that you start with the empathy too. You, you, you acknowledge the fact that they've given you credit and then you go to the explanation. And I think empathy is really, really important. It it really just kind of naturally goes hand in hand with kindness. Have you run into any scenarios where you've had uh, kind of a negative feedback from family or friends regarding pricing or the fact that you're going to actually charge them or the finished product or anything else? I think the only thing with family is them not wanting me to post the photos okay. uh, to, to keep their children safe, which is absolutely understandable. Sure. It is a tough time for us as photographers wanting to show our work, but understanding where that line is drawn and being able to communicate that, whether it's family, friends, or clients. And I also like how you did just point out being able to approach with empathy. That's something that our marriage has definitely taught us Mm. is when you're in confrontation, then you have to be able to respond in a loving way. If you respond blaming the other person, then 
shouldn't you expect them to be defensive because right. they're trying to stand up for themselves? So I try to see it the same way when it comes to my clients who I, I even hate saying clients because I hope that they turn into friends. And when I talk to them, I need to come from a place where I'm putting myself in their shoes. They clearly paid me for something, so they want to be happy with the end results. And I get that, and I want to make them happy. That's beautiful. Uh, well, you're, again, your demeanor, I'm sure, makes all the difference in the world when, whenever you do have to handle these situations. But um, it's very obvious, too, that you have that focus on kindness, on love, on empathy, uh, and the way that you communicate. And I'm sure this makes uh, just a massive, massive difference in your overall client experience. I do want to ask just one last kind of technical question. You've mentioned contracts a number of times. Did you hire a, an attorney to put that contract together for you? What type of contract are you using? I actually used a contract from my friend Shannon. She allowed me to look at hers and said that I could take out and put in whatever I wanted and so I was able to make edits based on my style and what I expected from clients and what I felt like they would need to know. So that was very helpful from her. And I have then passed it on to other people who have started in their business and they've appreciated it. So it's really neat because I am all about the community over competition and I love how that's growing because if we didn't do that for each other, it would take us so much longer to get where we could be. Yes. And I think that we're, it's a great thing that we're helping each other because then we can troubleshoot things before we even get to it. And that's what happened with this contract is being able to see what I need to say and things that I didn't know existed. And otherwise, if I hadn't gotten that help from her, there could have been a lot more issues in the past few years that I didn't cover yet because I didn't know that it existed. Yeah. Well, I, you know, community is something that, that we put a lot of attention on here at the podcast. And ultimately, it is about relationships in the end. And I do love that the industry has moved so significantly in that, that direction over the last, well, I've been in the industry about 17 years or so. And there's been such a significant shift. It's been interesting to watch, but ultimately quite beautiful to see that movement. But but I do love that you've put so much priority on using contracts. And ultimately, that's a form of communication and management of expectations. And if for some reason, any of you that are listening and aren't using contracts right now, and especially contracts that have been put together by somebody in the know who does this professionally, i.e. an attorney, um, make sure that you do that, that you have those in place to certainly to manage expectations, but ultimately to make sure that your your business is protected as well. This has been a really wonderful conversation, Skylar. And, and again, I can't say enough about your style of communication. It's so easy to, to talk with you and to listen to you. I'd love for our listeners to be able to find what you're doing online to learn more about your brand. Uh, where can they find you, uh, your website and social media and so forth? So my website is skyphotographygallery.com. And then on Instagram, which I have enjoyed a lot lately because I'm able to be more personal there. That is at Sky Photography. And just for clarification, Sky is S-K-Y, no E at the end of it. And then I'm on Facebook as well. So that's facebook.com slash Sky Photography Gallery. Perfect. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Really can't thank you enough. Thank you. I've greatly enjoyed it as well. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.